Lakeisha Gunter, and you're listening to Roar, an energetic and enlightening weekly podcast that will help you achieve more. This weekly infusion of candid insights, indispensable lessons, inspiring stories, and success strategies for living your best life now will help you on your journey to making your dreams a reality. My experience as a Fortune 50 business and tech executive has led me to meet some pretty amazing people. On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar! Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Gunter. So what do I mean by Roar? The beauty of Roar is that it's both an acronym. The acronym stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And it's an action. We're all born with it. A hidden power inside of us. It's a fire that's often suppressed by fear. That power is your Roar and it's waiting to be unleashed. Today, we find ourselves in an unprecedented time where virtual work has become our new reality. As we are trying to get comfortable with working from home, there's a lot of talk out there about how to remain productive while we're away from our colleagues and our workplace. This is definitely a situation of business as unusual, right? So what about career development, staff development, and skills growth? How exactly can we keep that going virtually? Or is it now being placed on the back burner, given our current environment? I think in these times, it's super important that we really become more resilient, more adaptable, and truly embrace the uncertainty and chaos, and look for the opportunities in the midst of it all. How can we control what we can control, tap into our passions, our strengths, our values, and manifest career growth and progression even during a pandemic? My guest today is known for helping leaders gain clarity on what they want to do in their careers, and she helps them craft a plan to achieve it. She believes that we all can put ourselves in a position to do what we love and love what we do, and she has helped countless leaders do just that. Oftentimes, in mentoring one-on-ones, I would get questions around how to navigate large corporate landscapes for career success, how you might find the right role, and how can we really begin to define what we want to do in our careers. And after sharing a few tips with them, I would also ask the question, have you talked to Vicki? Because she's masterful at this. And I would make sure that they would have an opportunity to connect to Vicki. So let me introduce you to the amazing Vicki Mueller-Espinosa. She's my friend. She's also one of my favorite career coaches. Currently, Vicki is a career strategist in a Fortune 50 company. She designs and executes programs supporting manager and employee career development. She has a degree in international business and marketing from Northeastern University in Boston. She's a highly sought-after speaker and workshop presenter. Vicki says she found her calling after teaching one of the first career development workshops at Intel over 10 years ago. With that, Let's welcome Vicki Mueller-Espinosa. Welcome, Vicki. We're so happy to have you here today. 
Thank you. Super excited to be here, Lakeisha. Oh my gosh, I've been so jazzed and so excited to talk to you today, right? Uh, and to also get an opportunity to share you um, with the uh, the Roar podcast community. So let's just jump right in, right? So, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time and I know a little bit of your story, but let's share a little bit more with the listeners. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from and who were some of your biggest influences growing up? That's a really good question, Lakeisha, especially since I don't have a traditional background. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Brazil. My father was an executive for Xerox. Mm. So I spent from probably around nine years old until almost 18 years old in Brazil, going to middle and high school there, learning a second language, living in a different culture. Back in a time when calling on the phone was really expensive, long distance. So you were really only through letters communicating with your family or maybe old friends and stuff back in the United States and then flying home every summer, Mm -hmm. which was actually Brazilian winter, right? Because it's backwards. So I, I spent a lot of time there. I sailed a lot did a lot of sports in high school, uh, was a soccer fanatic, mm-hmm. um, enjoyed softball, other things, loved to read, loved to write, loved to write poetry, was on stage, did some singing. My high school was so small that you had an opportunity to pretty much do whatever it is you wanted to do, which mm-hmm. was nice. And then I moved to the States and went to secretarial school, believe it or not, because I really was unsure of what I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't know how to answer any of the questions that people were asking me. So I met my now husband that first weekend I was at school. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. And he asked me some questions. And he's one of those rare birds who knows that what they want to be when they're little. So he Mm -hmm. knew he wanted to be an engineer forever. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to be. And the one thing that I did bring up, I was told I would never make money at which was teaching. So I was sort of talked out of teaching. So I ended up getting a business degree. I transferred to Northeastern University, go Huskies. (laughs) um, And a very interesting program, a co-op program. And for anyone who's struggling, I would highly recommend that because you go to school for six months and then you work for six months Mm -hmm. and then you go to school for six months and then you work for six months. And that goes on for five years until you graduate. So when you graduate from Northeastern University, you graduate with not only a degree, but a resume, Mm -hmm. which is super helpful. So we decided to leave Boston and go to Folsom, California and start working for Intel. Mm -hmm. And Gus went in the front door, that's my husband, and got a job as an engineer. And I kind of came in the side door as a temporary worker. Mm -hmm. And I was a secretary because my marketing degree was not valued at that time. So I figured out I'd find some ways to make myself useful. Because I had a business degree, I got hired by the finance department. Mm -hmm. And I worked for finance and inside that organization for 20 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed learning about construction. And that's where I was. It was in the construction of our factories, of our office buildings, parking lots, assembly test facilities. I got to travel the world. So that was really fun. At about 12 years in, I realized I had been dodging that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And I had a really hard time answering that question. I kept saying, well, you keep giving me interesting work. And I kept saying yes to whatever they asked me to do. Mm -hmm. So I'll just keep doing that. (laughs) 
But what happened at about the 12-year mark was I took a training, a career development workshop, and instantly realized I wanted to teach it. Mm -hmm. And also started to get an idea of how I wanted to change my career. So I started mentoring young people coming in. I started putting plans together, teaching them things, spending a lot of time really helping them ramp, helping them deal with difficult personalities, helping them have good conversations, find mentors, do all of the things that I do today. Mm -hmm. And I decided at one point when I hit my 20-year mark, I got to do this full-time. I got to figure out how to take what I'm doing every day, what people are appreciating about me, and I got to turn that into a career. So I moved into business operations on the people side. Mm -hmm. I did that for three years, and then I moved into an experiment we called Freelance Nation, which was really teaching our internal employees how to gig, how to work on projects and move about the company. And then when that was terminated as an experiment, which was very successful, by the way, I went back into business operations and that's where I am today. Awesome. Well, let me ask, I thank you for sharing that. I mean, again, you've had an amazing career and it sounds like, you know, after some time you really asked your question, you know, what am I truly passionate about? What do I really want to do? And you discovered that, I think you said it when you began to teach the career development workshop. But I want to ask the question, because I know as you talk to a lot of people, they always probably ask you the same thing. I'm having a hard time articulating what it is I want to do and where I want to be in five years. You've learned over the years kind of really how to get crystal clear on that. What are some things that you think we can do to really kind of hone in on what do we want to be when we want to grow up and where do we want to be in the next five years? It's always a hard question to answer. This is my favorite question to work with people on (laughs) because it is such a struggle. When we go to college, they teach us how to be an engineer, how to be a marketer, Mm -hmm. how to be an HR person, whatever it is. But there's no class on how to know who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's what's missing. It's this process of self-discovery. And you're not going to instantly know Unless you're, you know, my husband who knew he wanted to be an engineer when he was seven. Most of us don't know. We go to college and we kind of follow these different paths. We try different things and we end up with a degree and we walk out with that paper and we take that first job because it's going to help pay for our rent or it's going to pay off our student loan debt or something, right? Right. We, We grasp that first job and we jump into it. So my advice to people is, and even if you've been working for a while, you should have two lists. One list is, here's the stuff I love doing that excites me and why. So you need to write down in detail, I love the sticky problem. I love Mm -hmm. trying to unravel the puzzle and figure out how to solve the business problem at the core center of it, whatever it is. I love doing it alone or I love doing it in a team. So you got to get really precise Mm -hmm. on why you love it and how to do it. And the same thing goes for those things that exhaust you or you procrastinate forever or that you hate, you absolutely hate, oh my God, they're making me do this. And you need to keep this really nice detailed list because the idea is if I came to you as my mentor, Lakeisha, and I said, hey, you know, Lakeisha, I see what you've been doing and I'm really interested in in kind of understanding your job a little better. If I told you that I like these five things, and I don't like these two things, what does that sound like to you? 
And what happens is through that process of mentorship, you might say, well, Vicki, that sounds like a, you know, this type of person or this mm-hmm. type of job, but you wouldn't want this one because these things you don't like are in this other job and they're like 50% of it. Right. So you would work through talking to different people in your network and mentoring sessions don't have to be long-term things. It could be a 30-minute conversation. Go have really rich conversations with people. But this process of self-discovery, of getting in touch with how you feel, Hmm. how excited you are, or how devastated you are when you have to do something. And what I want to make sure we're really clear on is the stuff you don't mind doing does not matter for this particular exercise. Mm -hmm. It's the extremes. You really want to focus on those extremes. And so when people are able to come to me and say, Vicki, I really like these things. These things are really awesome and amazing. This stuff is really debilitating and exhausting for me. I'm able to, through my wide network, say, oh, that kind of sounds like my friend Joe. Let me hook you up with Joe and have a 30-minute conversation with him and see what he says. Mm-hmm. And once you start to hit on these things where people are like, yeah, that sounds like this, then you can say to that person, I'm interested in exploring more. Can I shadow you? Mm-hmm. Can I get an understanding of what you think the critical skills list is for this particular role? If you're in the same company, you could do something like, hey, are you going on a long vacation or a leave or something where I could cover for you? What could I do to pick up more of these skills or add to my tool chest so that I'm stronger Mm -hmm. and would maybe become a candidate for a role like yours? Love it. Love it. I mean, the process of self-discovery. So to me, that's taking the time to reflect, right? Yes, Um, yes. Super important to to take time to uh, really get intimate with your thoughts and what you want to do. And what I heard is love it or hate it, what energizes you, what de-energizes you, right? (laughs) So being crystal clear on that. That's right. And getting closer to those things or covering for someone or doing those different things, it's going to give you a chance to practice Mm -hmm. and to get even more crystal clear on what it is. And so that's really phase one of self-discovery, right? Is this love it or hate it kind of idea. The second one is, and you can go online and you can search for a values exercise, Mm -hmm. is to get super clear on what are your values? What do you hold dear? What is super, super duper important to you? So if you value family above all and you work for a company that expects you to work 90 hours a week, that's probably not going to work. So getting really clear on your values along with your passions and then lastly, your strengths Those three things, that information is gold. That's when you can have valuable, interesting, detailed conversations with people around you. I love these things. I don't like these things. This is what I value. What does that sound like? What percent of my time will be spent working and away from my family? Do I have to travel 70% of the time? What are you looking for? I'm really good at collaborating. Oh, no, we don't collaborate in this company. Everyone just sits in their cubicle and does it by themselves. Well, that's not going to work. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's bringing those three things together, strengths, 
values, and passions, and figuring out what company, what group, what organization, uh, what opportunity will at least hit on the majority of those things. That's what's going to help you move forward. And then ideation, sitting Mm -hmm. with someone like you, some other people that are out there and saying, what does this sound like to you? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give? What paths could I go down and explore? Find three or four things or five things. And then the last thing is when you do go to someone for advice or ideas, come with a focus. Mm-hmm. Come with your questions and really be able to dive in. So don't come so open that they go, I don't know what to tell them. I'll just tell them my life story. I guess that's, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't mind talking about themselves, but if you really want their help, you need to have these questions, you know. Lakeisha, what percent of your time is spent um, talking in front of others and trying to convince them of something? Mm -hmm. What percent of your time is spent researching? You know, do you spend a lot of time alone? Do you spend time in groups? Are you expected to speak in in front of large crowds? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you do your work? What does that look like? Oh, okay, your job sounds interesting to me. That kind of meets some of the things I'm looking for. That's where you're going to get the goodness of the mentoring relationship. And you don't have to call it mentoring, Mm -hmm. right? You can call it just having really good conversations. You know, you talked a little bit earlier about just kind of the tools in your toolkit, right? You know, what are those behaviors? What are those leadership traits that one should have? I love to know your thoughts, especially uh, in the, the time frame that we're in right now and we're, we're having to lead teams virtually. You know, what are some behaviors that we should have or strengths we should have? And then you talk a little bit about competitive differentiators at times, right? What mm-hmm. are things that we should have in our toolkit that can differentiate us in a way that can help us stand out in our career? Those are really good questions. Right now, what I am seeing mm-hmm. is the need for clear, consistent Communication, like Mm -hmm. at its finest. And that could be the problem statement, like this is Mm -hmm. the the direction we're marching. This is the way this group needs to go. This is what we're trying to achieve. This is by when. Mm -hmm. Because we are so disconnected Mm -hmm. physically, right? We need to make sure that that's coming to people in a different medium, whether you decide to use Slack or Yammer or email or video, you know, chats with your team or your group, communication, clear, concise, consistent, easy to follow communication is a critical success factor. And don't be afraid to repeat yourself, right? Repeat yourself several times to make sure that your group, I got it, I got it. I can pick that up. I can work with that. I can move that. So that's one, right? The other one is to spend your online time in the best and most effective way possible, right? So Zoom fatigue is a real thing. You want to make sure that you're taking the time when you're online with people and you're using it to the best of your ability. So people are helping problem solve. It shouldn't be used for regular pass downs or just giving information because people tune out. Mm -hmm. They're not paying attention. So how can you make it interactive? How can you get people either whiteboarding together or answering polls or really moving together through the material? 
so that you don't lose anybody to, you know, the dog's barking, someone's at the door, the kid's crying, whatever it is, you need to make sure that they are fully committed and able to participate during those times. And I think the third one is grace, giving yourself grace, giving your team grace, giving your customers grace. People are stressed. Yes. People are nervous. People are struggling and you don't know what's happening behind that camera in their house. I have coworkers that live in a tiny studio apartment. Mm-hmm. So when they're calling into work, they're in the middle of their kitchen, bedroom, living room, dining room, everything's right there. And they're spending all of their time, both their free time and their work time in the same place. That's right. hard. We have people that are struggling with their small young children. Mm-hmm. So can we give them grace? I can't tell you. I, my kids are grown. So it's easy for me to say, can we do this at eight o'clock after your kid goes to bed? Would that be easier? And right. the relief that comes from them, Mm -hmm. realizing that you're willing to flex for them is really helpful. So grace is something really important right now. I totally agree. So let me ask, right? I mean, I know um, you've had, wow, an amazing start in your life, having spent some time in in Brazil and learning a different culture and um, really just meeting all types of people and uh, connecting is what I believe you you were able to develop during that time. And then you've had an amazing career and you're still thriving. I want to ask, what was the biggest Goliath that you faced in your career? How did you overcome it? And maybe what was your slingshot? This is a good one. I think it's when I realized, especially working in a large corporation, that sometimes you find problems or you get attached to projects that no one else cares about except you. And you can spend a lot of time banging your head against the wall, which will not bring down the wall and is only going to give you either a really bad headache or a concussion, (laughs) or you can figure out when it's time to drop it. And even if you drop it because you think it's going to break, right? That's why you don't want to drop it because it's going to break and be messy and everything. You may find that no one really cared that it broke Mm -hmm. or that you let go. So aligning yourself to the key objectives, to the things that are keeping the leaders up at night, Mm -hmm. to those big problems that are causing issues for your division, your company, your leader, whatever it is, that's where it's at, right? And you don't have to give up on whatever your thing was. You have to flip in your mind and go, it's not a no, it's a not now. Mm-hmm. Right now is not the right time for me to be dragging this around and trying to get people to change it, fix it, believe in it, whatever it is. And spend time later, maybe bringing it back. And that's what happened to me. I had this project. I was intent on getting it staffed and fixed. I kept going into my leader and saying, I need some support for this. Mm -hmm. And she would give me a 16th of a temporary worker who just started last week. (laughs) And I was determined. And I kept going back second time, third time. And finally, another leader in the group said to me, Vicki, at some point, you got to let go. Mm. And I said, but it's going to break. And she goes, oh, well, then just stand there and look at it broken and look up to see if anyone noticed. And I dropped it and it broke and no one cared. And that's when I realized that that wasn't important for my business unit. It wasn't important for my leader. 
maybe because there were other bigger, badder, nastier problems to solve, right? So this mm-hmm. this was probably number forty four. She cared, but not in you know one through three, right? <laughs> okay. So it's super important that you aggressively listen to your leaders, to your business unit, to your customers, to the people around you, to make sure you're focusing on the most important problems, that you are aligned to what the business needs. So strengths, passion, business need, because otherwise it's a hobby. Right. And hobbies aren't always funded or they're the first thing to go out the it's door. the first thing to go. That's right. So do spend the time. But so that was me. That, that slingshot moment for me was knowing and realizing that there is so much truth to making sure that you're aligned to what the organization wants and needs from you. Love it. Love it. Well, that sounds like some really good career advice. Anything else you want to add to that, right? In terms of some of the best career advice that you've gotten during your, your work life. So I'll give you a couple things. I gave you this one, which is align yourself to what your business needs, right? Mm -hmm. That's important. Or really understand your customers. Maybe you're proposing something new that they need. That's great Mm -hmm. too. So you can be creative. There are things that you can do. You don't have to just fall in line, but make sure that you, you are aligned to what the core business is, right? So if you're building semiconductors, you shouldn't be doing basket weaving all day, Mm -hmm. right? You should be really aligned to that. That is one kind of core ideal, right? The other one is, and people hate this, but it's a truth, okay? When you're in school, they tell you it's what you know, so study hard. Mm -hmm. When you get to work, they tell you it's who you know, so go network. Mm -hmm. Go meet lots of people. At the end of the day, it's who knows you. It's your personal brand. Yes. It's your consistent capability in a particular area. It's you being known for something, being the go-to person for that topic, right? And when people ask, well, who should I go talk to about this? Your name pops up first. So it doesn't happen overnight. It's not instantaneous. It's something that you grow over a space of a career, but it's something you should be thinking about. How do I carve out my niche? Mm -hmm. How do I be known for a thing? Whatever the thing is, can be a technical thing, a business thing, it doesn't matter, but you need to be the person who does the thing. And that means you need to do it consistently, reliably, and with excellence. I love that. I love that. When you said it's not who you know, but who knows you. He reminded me of a, an advisor I had. He was an admissions counselor, Dr. Wright, back in my undergrad. And he would always say, Miss Gunter, you know what? It's not who you know, but it's who knows you. And so your reputation precedes you. You have to make sure that you're showing up and you're showing up in excellence. Everything you just said, it just took me back to walking on the campus and walking with Dr. Wright and him saying those exact same words. And I've kept those words with me forever. So thank you so much for bringing that out because it's so true. I love that. And I would love to meet Dr. Wright at some point. That's oh my awesome. God. You would love him. You would love him. That's you great. Know, speaking of that, right, in terms of making sure that, you know, the importance of building a network and the importance of building a brand. You know, when we think about how to try to land a new job or make a pivot in our careers right now, what's at the forefront? What are some things that we should be doing? And maybe it's those things you've articulated to land a job in this pandemic or to make a pivot in the pandemic. What are some steps we can take if we truly want to make a change? 
That's a really good question. And I know a lot of people are struggling with that right now. Rule number one, do not compromise who you are to make yourself fit into something. Mm, That's powerful, Vicki. And I keep seeing that right now. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Mm. I will fold myself into, you know, a square if that means that I can get this job. But if you take that three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now, and you manage to convince someone that you are a square when you are, in fact, a sphere, you're not going to do well at your job. They're going to be figuring out how to tell you that you're failing because that's usually what happens. If you don't have passion, if you don't have capability, if it goes against your values, you're not going to do it well. So what's really important is that self-discovery, who am I? Now, if you're a multi-potentialite, which means that you like all sorts of different things, and I know quite a few, right? That's okay. It's okay to have, you know, I could do this, I could do that, I could do this other thing. That's fine. But make sure that when you're talking to hiring managers or you're talking to people in your network, that you know which one of those three you have chosen for the day to have that conversation and don't confuse people. Because what they're trying to do when you talk to them is they're trying to place you in their mind on an org chart somewhere into a team or working for their friend or whatever it is. And if you give them too many options, unfortunately, most people can't switch that quickly in their head. So that focus Mm -hmm. is really important. And that means three resumes. That means three different conversations with, with people, depending on which uh, persona you're putting on. And this is for those multi-potentialites, those people that are really good at several different things. And you've mm-hmm. met those people, right? right? They can dive deep into a technical engineering problem. They can lead a team. You know, they can run a scrum, whatever it is. You know, some job, there may be that one job that fits all three. But in most cases, you're going to have to pick what am I today for these people so that they will listen to me and understand me? And then once you get into that job, you might be able to grow into those other two things that you're really great at, right? It might be an option. But I remember seeing resumes. They were coming in and think about someone looking at a resume. Six seconds. That's all Mm -hmm. we pay attention to. Top 30 your resume. If you haven't figured out who you are and explained to me that quickly in six seconds in that top third, you're lost. Your resume is wow. going in the round file. I'm, I'm tossing it into a paper. I have to look. Okay, that's a software engineer. Great. I'll stick it in that pile. Okay. Oh, here's a hardware engineer. They categorize you as mm-hmm. you come in. And they're not going to take the time to figure out if on the second page it says that you're a software engineer, right? If, it's, if I can't catch it at the top, you're lost. Wow. It's gone, right? And the only way to overwhelm that if you have a crappy resume or it's unfocused, or whatever that issue is, is then you're expecting someone like, hey, Lakeisha, Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you my resume. I saw this job. I know my resume isn't quite attuned to the job, but you know the hiring manager. Could you say something for me? Then maybe you can overwhelm your nonspecific resume with that personal introduction, Mm -hmm. right? And that's only if you, Lakeisha, believe in me and believe that I can do that role because you're not going to stick your neck out for me, right? If you don't know me well enough to know that I will fit that well, right? You're not going to burn that reputation. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're lending credibility. Yep. Mm-hmm. So those are the things. So get clear, get specific, and like I said, you can have three different resumes if you want, and then 
tailor each resume to each job. Love it. Really Love make it. sure, don't lie, don't ever lie, but make sure that the things that will help you do that job well are at the top third of your resume. Wow, that's powerful. I love what you said. Six seconds is the time that I have to make a good impression, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard that before, right? You meet a person, 30 seconds to make a good impression. And the other thing that I heard is important to have an elevator pitch. You really need to oh, be yeah. able to articulate who you are very clearly, very crisply, and very quickly. <laughs> your mirror is your friend. Go introduce uh-huh. yourself to your mirror over and over and over again. And then when we're not in a pandemic, introduce yourself to the person checking you out in line. Introduce (laughs) yourself to the person on the soccer field when you're watching a game. Introduce yourself to the guy at the gas station. Whoever, practice, 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 practice. Oh, I love it. And it shouldn't feel like a speech. It should Mm -hmm. feel natural. Wow. That's so true. That's so true. Get comfortable articulating who we are. I mean, as a child growing up, we tell everybody, hi, my name is. That's right. (laughs) And I like the color blue, right? Right. (laughs) Right. They're like, oh, she's so cute. We're like, okay, she just came out of the blue and told me that. But I love that, right? Kind of going back to that childlike Mm -hmm. innocence of just getting comfortable in our own skin and who we are is really what you're saying. And if if you're struggling with that, there are two books that are super helpful. Please. Mm-hmm. One is called The Confidence Code. The second one, which is especially good for women, is called Playing Big. It's by Tara Sophia Moore. And she gives you these really great exercises and, and visioning things that you can do to help yourself overwhelm all those little critic voices in your head. So if you find yourself beating yourself up or, or I'm not good enough or I don't have what it takes or all those little things, read Playing Big by Tara Moore because she will tell you how to overwhelm some of those things. There's another little secret I have that I'll give you. So I have a lot of people that'll come to me and I'll I'll be doing this, you know, passion, strengths, values, exercises with them, trying to get them to tell me what those things are, um, pulling those things out of them. And I'll say to somebody, tell me your strengths. Well, I'm not good at these things. I'm like, no, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) What are you good at? Well, you know, I do okay at these things. I'm like, okay, let me put it this way. When was the last time someone thanked you for something and you felt like a little squishy, like it's too easy, like you're, you're uncomfortable and the person's saying, oh my God, Lakeisha, that was amazing. You're fantastic. I can't even tell you what it means that you did that thing and it was unbelievable. And you, Lakeisha, are going, oh my God, would she just stop? That's enough. It wasn't that hard. It only took me a couple minutes or it wasn't a big deal. And you're downplaying it and you're really pushing it down. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're ignoring your strength because when you work from your strengths, you do it with ease and enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so if you're ever finding yourself going, well, I just hit the easy button. It wasn't that hard. You are discounting something you are great at because the person who's effusively thanking you can't do it Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't be thanking you. They've seen it as your strength, as your gift to your point. That's right. Yep. That's right. So sit in that for a minute. When was the last time someone thanked me for something and I felt awkward and weird and was like trying to shut it off or make them stop because I thought it was too easy? Mm -hmm. It wasn't worthy of thanks or praise. Wow. That's powerful, Vicki. I love that. 
And we've all had those moments. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we try to talk ourselves out of it. Yeah. yeah. And I always tell people, just think about, you know, your favorite singer, right? Where mm-hmm. everyone's going, you're amazing, you're fantastic, you hit all the notes, you did all those things. A lot of them, it comes naturally. Yeah, you're right. Wow. So, you know, I know one of the things that you often talk about too, and you've done tons of workshops around and people come to you all the time asking you about trying to figure out that next job or, Hey, Mm. parts of job A, job B, job C, how do I begin to craft the job that I believe is going to just allow me to just function on all cylinders? Can you talk about maybe some steps we can take to really get clear on how we can craft that job and really how we can land that job? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe I can articulate a story. Please. And maybe that will help. So a few years back when our group that we had created called Freelance Nation, where we were gigging inside of our company, I spent a lot of time helping others find jobs before I helped myself. And what I did is I sent out a note to my network and I wrote 50 individual emails to 50 friends. And what I did is I spent time really thinking about different groups, different sites, different departments, different specialties, all sorts of things to get a really good, diverse slate of friends. And then I sent them very specific emails about, hey, it's been a while since we last spoke. How's whatever doing, whether it's their dog, their husband, their kids, their wife, their partner, whatever. But I knew all of these people personally. I wanted to let you know that I'm currently looking for my next opportunity. I would like it to contain these five things. I want to make sure it doesn't have these other two things. Could you keep an ear to the ground and let me know? And so what happened with that is a lot of these people knew me, some well, some not so well, and they started paying attention. So of those 50 emails that I spent my weekend sending out, about 25 of them landed and no one said anything back. Mm -hmm. right? You didn't even get a reply. So they read it and probably were like, I can't help. I don't know anything, whatever. So they ignored it. Out of the balance of the 25, I had about 12 people come back to me with, how about this? How about that? How about this? How about that? And I'm like, (laughs) none of that's any good, right? Or they didn't listen. They didn't read. They're just shooting in the dark, sending me whatever. So of the last, you know, 12, 13 people that were left, five of them sent me the same opportunity. Wow. And I went, oh my God, I didn't see that. How did Mm -hmm. I not see that? So I put that on the list. And then the rest of them said, have you thought about talking to so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so? And And so it gave me direction to go. Like here here are some new people to add or here's someone I didn't think to put on my list of 50 that I kind of know, whatever it was. And so I did go down three different paths, right? I went down the one with the five, the same job, got into the interview process, asked some of my critical questions, realized that um, 40% of the job was something I did not want to do. And that was too high for me. Mm -hmm. And then one of those conversations ended up being with this amazing woman named Laura. And I sent it out saying, hey, our mutual friend said that we should meet. I've never met you. I thought I'd add to my you know, networking. Would you be up for a coffee? So she came and sat down and we had coffee 
And I started asking her questions like, what are you struggling with? What's going on? And I listened very aggressively to all of the issues that she was articulating. Oh, I wish I had someone to do this. And, oh, this has been a really a struggle. And I don't have time to get to this other thing. And, oh, it would be great if we could design this thing like this. And I let her ideate and sort of dump all of these things. And as she was speaking, I started writing down people's names of who I thought could solve the problem. And what I realized is my name was showing up a lot on that list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when she was done speaking, I said, well, let me introduce myself to you. And I do all of these things. And then I answered in the way that covered these things that I knew I could solve for her. Right. And that's what started the conversation. And a couple of weeks later, I had a job offer. I love that. Wow. So think about how you fit, how you solve problems, but know yourself well enough to know what you're going to like and what you can tolerate and what you can't tolerate. Mm-hmm. And I made a mistake earlier in my career. So when I first left finance to go into business operations, I ended up working for a guy that I had done some strengths finder work with his team and really interesting guy, a great engineer, and he had a great team. And I read the rec that he posted and I ignored a piece at the bottom Mm -hmm. and didn't ask questions about, hey, what percent of my time will be done, will be doing this activity, right? Because I was so enamored with the stuff that was at the top. Right. And I took the job. And a week later, he came in and asked me to do this activity that I hated. (laughs) Wow. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, are you serious? He goes, oh yeah. Yeah. I I know you know how to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I I know how to do it. He goes, so I need you to do this. And then I I finally, I asked him, I said, what percentage of my time do you think I'm going to be doing this? He's like, oh, about 40%. Right. So I suffered for 12 months in a job where I hated 40% of it. Wow. And, And I hated it so much. It was actually doing a pretty crappy job at it too where he'd call me up and say, Vicki, your attention to detail here is lacking. <laughs> okay. And I'd be like, yes, because it's killing me. I don't want to do this. Right. <laughs> I want to do these other things and it's killing me. So you have to be really careful because you can set yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Right? But I slogged through that job and you know, the 40%, the other 60% was great. I loved it. But I procrastinated and didn't do a really good job on that 40%. And so at the end of my 12 months, which I had committed to, then I look for something else, right? Got it. And I started mm-hmm. to move. And so you, you might have to pivot a couple times, right? Absolutely. And so I don't know about you, uh, how it's been for you, Lakeisha, but I've seen you pivot quite a few times, right? And so- yes. I'm, uh, for me, I like to um, find a challenge. Give me something that's, you know, complex or we've been trying a problem we've been trying to solve and we've been unsuccessful or we've got a team and we're trying to merge with another team and we got to get us moving in one direction. And so for me, I'm kind of a two, two and a half year person, right, in Mm -hmm. a role because that's enough for me to come in and assess the landscape, figure out what the challenges are, turn it around and get them moving in a direction um, of success. Uh, To your point, coming in and finding that problem and turning it around and let's see what else we can go do, right? That means you're challenge oriented, right? I am. Yeah. So you're oriented to the challenge. That's another thing. Know yourself well enough to know when it's time to walk away. Mm-hmm. And yep. 
know if you're mismatched with your job. If you are a person who likes to refine a process, keep things going, you know, you're really good at keeping the process moving, tweaking it here and there, eking out that next 2%, 6% productivity, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure you're not in a job where the challenges are coming at you at 100 miles an hour. Right. Um, we need all of the different personalities and types inside a company. Absolutely. So make sure you're signed up for the right work for you. Wow. That's so true. Because it goes back to what you said too. I mean, you you were in a job, you were successful, right? But you're like, there was 40% that mm, might've been processed. And I'm like, no, I want a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And it was a process. It was a monthly process he was asking me to do. And it it just was ripping my soul out because I too (laughs) am challenge oriented, right? So once I've done it once, I'm like, okay, who do I pass this to? Right. Exactly. We've got it down. We've got the process. Someone else can go and and maintain it. But I I love that. Thank you for that advice. Anything else that you want to share with the audience before I move to my lightning round of questions? Oh boy. I'm not sure I'm ready for those. Um, (laughs) No, I think the last thing I would like to give is career development is not an individual sport. Powerful. It's a team sport. Mm -hmm. And so You may be the star player in your career development journey, but you need a team around you to help you get to where you want to go. And those people are mentors. You can call them your personal board of directors, which I know you do, Lakeisha. Yes. (laughs) Um, But you need to have this trusted team. And Mm -hmm. each person on that team has a role to play. And so you might have the person who you call when you're ready to like scream at everybody and rip their heads off and they talk you down off the ledge. And so you, you run out into the, you know, the bathroom and you call me like, talk me down, talk me down. I'm going to kill somebody today. (laughs) Um, It could be the person when you're so depressed and you're so lost, who is your sunshine. You go to them to feel good, to see the goodness in the world, the positivity that can be there. There might be the person who helps you evaluate a naughty problem, right? Helps you kind of, did did I think of everything? Am I looking at all the angles? I'm not sure. I'm worried. I'm I'm kind of caught in the middle here. I have someone in my life who every time I want to change jobs, she's the one I call. Hey, why am I looking at this? You know, is it a shiny object syndrome? Am I really interested? Is this something I should consider? Right. Why, Why would I hate this job? That kind of thing. So. I have that person. I have people for managerial things I've never come across. Mm-hmm. I've got this problem. I don't know how to solve this. Have you ever had this problem? Can you talk me through it? I have someone who helps me with my public speaking, talking, mm-hmm. speeches, presence, right? That kind of thing. So have this group of people. Some you might not talk to unless you're you know, at the two and a half year mark and it's time to find a new job. Some might be helping you daily until you're ready for your big presentation. You're going to draw on these people, but career development is not an individual sport. It is a team sport. So figure out who your team is, right? And you can be there for other people. You'll be on other people's team, right? Whatever that looks like. Wow. That's a drop the mic moment right there. Okay. (laughs) That statement you just made. Oh my gosh. It's just so powerful. So true. Thank you so much. You're right. You got to have your squad. You got to have your team, team Vicky, your personal board of advisors, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You call it something. Yeah. But you need it and you have to start cultivating it now. And I love that. That's right. 
man, we could continue on, but I know you've got probably some other things you got to run off to. So I'm going to just kind of have a little bit of fun with you before I let you go. If that's okay. That's fine. (laughs) So I'll say a word or phrase and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. So your favorite food? Chocolate. Oh, I love that. Any kind, but mint is better. I love it. Mint is better. She says everyone. All right. We'll have to try that. (laughs) Mint chocolate. Guilty pleasure. Oh God. Really complex television series Mm. like The Good Fight right now. I think Christine Baranski is brilliant. I love her. Okay. Oh my God. I I just want to meet her. Oh, she just is. (laughs) Oh, the characters she plays all the way through her whole career are so rich. So I like complex, funny, really interesting dramas. I'm, I'm totally a drama girl. Oh, I love it. That's why you and I vibe so well. Okay, your favorite book? The Princess Bride. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Current Netflix addiction. Oh my God, what am I addicted to right now? Okay, it's not on Netflix. Picard. I'm a Trekkie. Oh, you're a (laughs) Trekkie. Okay. I love it. I love it. You are one of many, okay? We all grew up on Star Trek. I love it. (laughs) It reminds me of my dad who's no longer with us. Mm -hmm. I I watched the original Star Trek with my father. I love it. Dream vacation. Oh, my goodness. I don't like to be in the sun, but I like to be at the beach. So somewhere with a covered veranda and a beach and water and a hammock and lots of books. (laughs) I love it. That sounds like the perfect vacation to me too. Thank you so much. Vicky. You're welcome. Well, listen, I want to make sure that um, my listeners can stay connected with you. Right. And I know you've got a great following on Twitter, LinkedIn. Yep. How should we best connect with you? You can find me on Twitter at Vicki Espinosa. So V-I-K-K-I-E-S-P-I-N-O-S-A. Mm-hmm. I'm decent on Twitter, not great. Mm-hmm. If you really want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn. Send me a note when you connect. I don't really respond to people who don't send me a note. Mm-hmm. So you got to send me a note and tell me why you want to connect and what you want to talk about. And there I use my maiden name. So it's Vicki Mueller Espinosa, M-U-E-L-L-E-R space E-S-P-I-N-O-S-A. And it's always Vicky with two K's, no C's, no E's, no Y's. Yes, I love it. All right. There's one and only. All right. Thank you so much for that clarification. But it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I can't thank you enough for your time, friends. So um, thank you enough for your time today. So thank you. Oh, Lakeisha, thank you for being on my board of directors. Always. For inviting me to chat with you. And um, I wish you much success with the podcast in everything you do. Well, you have been a friend, a coach, and a mentor ever since I joined you know, Intel Corporation. And we've continued our friendship and our mentorship and just our our relationship. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for always being just a phone call away. You betcha. Take care, beautiful. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time, 